Ding dong, we're in the Christmas season. Goodwill to all men, except if you're a Liverpool fan or Jose or Sterling or Pogba and anyone else. It's been a week where the haters were front and centre. And for those who challenge the hate, take a chill. Uh, a big shout out and thank you, I'm going to say straight away, to Lord Oosley, who stepped down from the Kick It Out campaign because it's it's been right at the front. And I'm going to say that right now. Big thank you to Lord Oosley. Anyway, begin. We will. We shall. Joining me once more on the On and Off the Pitch podcast is the fellow YouTuber Red Devil Weekly. How do, sir? Seasons greens, Rodney. Thanks for having me on once again. Appreciate yeah, I know. I know. Our season's fully. Now we're in December. We can say season's greetings. I'm, I am truly a Grinch. Right. I, do, I do I do not enjoy this time of the year. I know there's this, this goodwill to all men. I get it. But all of the other stuff, you know, cards and presents and decorations, uh, you know. It's the hassle. It's just, you've got to take it down. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, we haven't got our tree up yet. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not looking too Christmassy in our, our house yet, but I'm sure that'll change over the weekend. It's uh, far from so, Christmas where I am, I can tell you that right now. This is looking very much like an ordinary garage. There is <laughs> nothing happening here. Uh, the, and, and I did receive a Christmas card today uh, and I haven't opened it for the sheer fear that it might have glitter <laughs> on the inside. And uh, I just don't do glitter. Anyway, let us move on. Um, there has been football this week. Obviously, Champions League has returned the final game. The dead rubbers, or so some may have you think, of football games. We'll start right, let's start right away with, with Manchester United. Um, it's, it's something that, I, there's, there's a few things that I want to talk about. Manchester, did, did you catch the game? Uh, yeah, I just managed to catch that one, yeah. Yeah, just you did. <laughs> It was a, there was no burning rush for you to get home and say, "Oh, I must watch this." Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a bit of a oh, oh what's on the TV? Oh, you know, the oh, the Apprentice doesn't start until nine. Uh, may as well watch this instead, just just to fill the void. Fill the void, indeed. And what do you make of the? Well, one, one, what do you make one of the the, the results? And what do you make of the performance that you would, of course, witnessed on the pitch? Um, well, obviously, going into the game, the result didn't really matter. Although, as events unfolded, Juventus, you know, ha handed it to us on a silver platter, and we we didn't take it. Uh, obviously, they they I mean, I did not expect them to lose to Young Boys, to be honest with you. But fair play to them. Um, yeah. But you know, they we you know the result in the end, we were going into it, and you know, the result didn't matter. Uh, we all thought Juventus were going to win, obviously, uh, but we did have that chance to to top the group, which would have obviously made our uh, opponents a bit easier. Um, but the, the overall performance, I think the first half in particular, and well, and most of the second half was 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 very poor. Um, and a lot of I just for me there was one thing that I didn't see, and that was desire to to go out and win the game. Maybe the players didn't think there was too much on it, which in reality there wasn't because we were already through. But there was just so much, you know, lacks of days of play. Lack of quality in the final third, especially um, from Lukaku, um, and just I, I don't know. I just we we didn't look like winning that game at any point. Uh, you know, Rashford came on, and he's probably one of the only players that came out of that game with any sort of dignity. He obviously got his goal, but he definitely injected something into that team. Um, a bit too late, but 
if if I guess if a few other players took their chances, we could have we could have potentially come out of that with at least a draw. But uh, you know, that's that's by the by. But I mean, yeah, it's it's disappointing the performance, especially going into a game like Liverpool. You'd want a better performance. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, we have qualified. Um, and I guess you know it's it's better to look on the bright side of life. As they say, it's always look on the bright side. Um, chances missed. There was the Pogba chance. Um, and you could be generous and say that he didn't expect the ball to fall to him. But I, I, I would say this. If you're an attacking player and you're in that part of the pitch, you have to expect the ball to fall to you. You have to be ready. Otherwise, you shouldn't be there. If you don't believe that the ball is going to get to you, you shouldn't be in that part of the pitch. You should be outside the box because there isn't any belief. There was definitely a lack of desire. There seemed to be a lack of urgency. Um, I would even say they were short on confidence. They looked like a bunch of individuals that had never played together, let alone trained together. Uh, movement was limited. And I would say this about Lukaku. He needs to be dropped. And he needs to be dropped not for a game where he comes on after 70 minutes. He needs to be dropped for three or four games, minimum. He needs to spend an extensive period on the bench. And while he's on the bench, he can go away, maybe rest for a week and then come back and do some intense training, fitness and touch. I believe his touch is, is, is his failure or the inability for someone of his footballing level to control a ball is just, it's diabolical. You would expect the ball to literally stick to him like glue. He's a big, big man. He's a big, muscular man. But even so, I've seen big footballers, tall, physical footballers that have the touch of a ballerina. That, that Once the ball reaches them, it doesn't go away. And, and that's something that Lukaku lacks. And it's really clear to see that when you have that amount, um, amount of muscle or that amount of bulk or whatever you want to call it or you know in terms of his his, his overall demeanor he, he doesn't look overweight but when you're big it takes more energy to move at speed and you become tired quicker just generally it's just a rule you know it's usually the ones that are slight and light that have energy to burn and they, they 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 look quicker when they're running with the ball just like as ryan giggs used to look quick when he ran with the ball because of his his slight frame lukaku for me needs time away and and you were right when and as everyone would have witnessed when rashford came on and then lingard the, the movement and the tempo increased there seemed to be much more of a threat they seemed to be a level of awareness around the box anticipation just just it just went up a level and it obviously one you 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 see the result you automatically me being a jose fan you know it's no 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 secret that you're going to think okay what's going to be said now and obviously there are the usual comments about he needs to be sacked he needs to be gone but there were some players playing that in that game that were see they weren't one-offs they're not new they're seasoned professionals um, despite Pereira playing, Fellaini played, Pogba played, Jones played. Let's not talk too much about him. <laughs> Marku played. And you just think seriously, there didn't seem to be any desire or communication between any... There, there was a lack of leadership on mm. the pitch. And I can see Jose being 
fed up. There, there was a man who was just, you know, distant and removed from that performance because he would have told them what to do. He would have explained in detail what he would have expected for them to do. At the very least, a draw. At the very least, to go there and 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 get a nil-nil or a one-one or a two-two. At the very least, it's, it they seemed impotent. They seemed to lack thrust. They seemed to lack desire. It it was it was shocking. And what I did tweet out, I, I was as <laughs> watching the game. You can tell when things aren't going well when you start to send tweets at a rapid rate, because you're spending more time looking at the screen. I was I was, you know, drawn to the white socks that Manchester United players were wearing, and all I could see was that they were wearing these white socks and they weren't really running that fast. It was really evident to see their their speed or lack of it or effort or just intensity. I don't know why. Maybe it's just it was just something that I was drawn to. Maybe others may have been drawn to it. But it was clear for me to see in terms of a visual sense. Because you can look at players and think they're putting it in. But when you see visually that, you know, the kick doesn't seem to be moving as fast or their legs don't seem to be moving as fast, you then have a general idea. You're, you're, the, the facts don't lie. And losing that game, um, not surprised, but I would have expected more fight from from the team overall and the players that were initially picked. How many of those players do you believe will make the next game? Um, well, it's a good question. I think... Um... I think he will play Lukaku. I think he will persist with him, even though I do agree with you that I feel like Lukaku does need some time off. I feel that like Mourinho is going to persist with uh, Lukaku. Um, I think Pogba was obviously the one which was almost on trial for this game, almost trying to, you know, almost one of his you know, last chances to impress Mourinho and get into that Liverpool squad. Um, and I thought, I mean, I'm not sure what to make of Pogba's performance. He didn't make too many too many errors, but I, I don't know what Mourinho thought of it. Um, what did I, you I think like of Pogba, it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, it was it was an up and down performance. I thought, I think, I mean, I think I, I would say, you know, towards the end of the game, he, he improved, but I would say that about most players, um, you know, just a bit more urgency. Um, but there was, there was definitely a distinct lack of kind of uh, fluidity in his play, a, a, a distinct lack of, you know, the want to go forward and, and drive. Because I feel like someone like Paul Pogba, he's he has the legs, he has the ability to drive forward. And I don't understand why he doesn't. I'm not sure whether it's Mourinho uh, telling him not to, oh. whether it's, him, it's himself. I'm not I sure. Sigh, I sigh when I hear that. Is it Mourinho saying don't run? I'm sure Mourinho's not saying that. You know, I can see Mourinho in an invisible backpack on top of Pogba's back, weighing him down restricting his movement. There were so many things said about Paul Pogba to, in the latter part of the, the season before that there needed to be more defensive midfielders to release him. There were so many defensive midfielders playing in Manchester United now. He's still not doing the running. He's still not going forward. He's still not helping out in the attack. And when he has the ball, he's at walking pace. You know, this is over 50s football we're watching at times. It's slow. It's slow. And these are young men playing football. They're not over 30, all of them. He's in his mid-20s. Lukaku's in his mid-20s. They just look lethargic. And, and it's almost as if they're either not interested in playing for the badge, 
They're not interested in playing for the club. They're not interested in playing for the for the fans. The fact that they're not interested in playing for the manager is the last on the list because the club comes first. The badge, the teammates, the fans, the manager's the last. The manager is the last person the players should be concerned about because they go out and they play football for the fans, the actual fans. That's the desire that they have to be professional footballers because of the adulation they get from football fans and the praise they get and and the the, the fans that follow them and all of the 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 the, the, the cheers and the chants that go with their name. It's nothing to do with the manager. That's what, that's, that's what people will have you believe about Pep Guardiola. You know, football players, professional football players want to play football because of the fans, because of the glory, because of the fame, because of the riches. Nothing to do with the manager. So when I hear this, I think you can only say that so many times because there is only one Pep Guardiola. And when he's not around, what do you say about the other footballers that are not attached to Manchester United? What do they play for? Who do they play for? What's their desire? And they seem to be putting it in. Pep Guardiola doesn't manage them. So for me, I think sometimes, as much as we want to blame Jose, and I'm not saying he's absent of blame, but those players in that game, and it was a nothing game, they didn't do enough for each other. They didn't do enough for the club and they didn't do enough for the fans. And um, Pogba, I'm almost gone past the point of actually saying he had a bad game. No one needs to say he has a bad game. They can see that he's having a bad game. They can actually see this is a £90 million footballer that is not delivering on the pitch. Doesn't matter what he did in the summer. Right now, right here, he's not doing it. You know, and I can understand why Jose has put him on the bench. I can understand why Jose will feel frustrated. Uh, and I can understand why fans feel frustrated. And we then, we then left tongue-tied as to how to be diplomatic and about how we can say it in a really nice way so we don't upset uh, a section of the fan base because we said, oh, we don't want to upset anyone. The reality is our people paid money to go and watch that game. They flew away from the UK to watch that. And it was no good. It was no good. I wouldn't mind even if they'd lost with the effort, but it wasn't even the effort. That's the bit that's really upsetting. Um, it's, it's troubling. One of the tweets, one of the tweets I, I sent out, some quite comical to us, actually sent out a tweet saying, if you could link the performance to a TV programme or film, what would you title it? And um, there were quite a few things. I started off by saying I would link the performance, uh, especially the first half one, to Stranger Things. I believe it's on Netflix, a sci-fi program where strange things happen. I've not watched it myself, but I thought the title was was uh, appropriate. Can you think of a film title that would fit the? Oh. <laughs> oh, it's, it's. I mean, there's. So I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I put me on the spot. I, I, to be honest, I, I can't remember, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I did see the tweet, and, and some of the responses were were pretty spot on. To be fair, um, I don't know. I, I just thought the performance died hard. Die hard. Died I like hard. that. I like that one. I like die hard. And and, and you know, because I thought we're going to be recording this uh, the next day. Here's some of the ones. These are actual film titles: uh, The Fast and the Furious. Not. I was going to call it. Um, that's I like that one. Analyze this. Uh, the longest day, half baked. Um, oh brother, where art thou? And this is the one that I like the best. Uh, I know what you did last summer, 
but you're not doing it now. That's, yeah. that's the one I just saw. I, I saw don't come out pretty well. That's literally, you know, you did, you did great things in the summer, but right now you're just not doing it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was what it was for me. I thought if I could actually uh, title the game in itself, it'd be, it would be that. Uh, um, anyway, you know, as we say, Manchester United are through. Let's not hang on the sour grapes for too long. They're, they're through to the next round of the Champions League. But um, who knows what will await them when they get pulled out of the hat in the draw. Uh, which team do you fear the most for Manchester United? Uh, um, well, obviously, you know, there, there are a few teams in there which are difficult. I feel like Barcelona. I think yeah. Barcelona are, are the other, one of the obvious ones. Um, actually, out of those big teams, I wouldn't mind being drawn against someone like PSG because, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're no, they're they're not a bad side. Don't get me wrong, but they're not they're they're not like you know consistently good enough in Europe. Um, I think even in last season, um, I'm not sure where they got to. I'm I'm not sure if it was the quarterfinals or they got knocked out before. They're not sure, but I, I don't know what it is. But you know that I I don't. I don't fear them that much, even with that attack. You know, if their attack's not firing, they're they're an average side. So I feel like PSG, I'd fear them the least, but but I'd say Barcelona or Real Madrid potentially. Actually, without Ronaldo, they've looked really poor this season. They've looked so. poor. They've looked really poor. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say probably the one I fear the most would be uh, Barcelona. Yeah, well, let's say Real Madrid obviously top their group. Juve top their group, but Man United won't face them. Man City top their group. Bayern Munich, obviously, you know, seasoned um, entertainers and uh, contenders within the Champions League. Porto's in there. PSG could top their group. And Barcelona. And last but not least, and this is the one that would cause me concern, I think, and people may say, why? Uh, a young um, Jaden Sancho plays for them, Dortmund. Mm. I think Dortmund would cause Manchester United real concern. Um, in terms of the way that they move the ball around. It, people may say, oh, 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 you know, let's not be worried about Dortmund because, you know, Manchester United. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Before we go on to Liverpool, we're going to talk about another Champions League game and a bit of Spurs as well. This is a quote that I found for Sir Matt Busby. He says, I don't worry about conceding goals because I know my forwards will double it at the other end. I know full well Jose Mourinho doesn't feel like that and he's in no way ever going to say that with the likes of Rashford, Martial and Lukaku as strikers at Manchester United. Now, people may say that's me being harsh, but let's be honest. When you have a goal difference that is so, so inferior to the other teams in the league, you know that if you're relying on individuals like Phil Jones, you know, own goal specialist, to keep out problems at the other end, you're going to have to work twice as hard to double the score and Manchester United at this current moment in time do not possess the skill set, the threat level, the intensity, um, almost sounded like Joe's in it, um, to be a persistent threat or concern to any of the other Champions League teams. They will look at Manchester United and think, not a problem. Not a problem. So whereas Manchester United may think they would like a particular team because it might be easy for them, I believe any of the other contenders within the next round 
will pose a really, really big problem. And it would have to be a gigantic effort and performance from the, the players that are there to overcome whatever faces them. And that's just my opinion, but who knows? Football is a funny old game. What say you? Russell the papers, Russell the papers. Um, the other games, did you ever catch, or did you catch the Liverpool game? I did, yeah. I, I was did. able to watch that one, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched the Liverpool game, and that was on the same time as the Spurs game. So, you know, as we do on the podcast, multi-screen in the studio, uh, one screen in the far corner, the other screen close to hand, both games going on. Both games seem to have a certain level of intensity. And, yeah, you could always call it, you know, that's a, a, a time shift, time split, movie madness uh, in terms of teams that you didn't think would go through, teams that did go through. There was this 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 high high level of intensity, the drama in, in both games about the, the potential um, pitfalls that await both teams and, and, they, and they make it through. Um, Liverpool first, what do you think about their, their display? Um, well, you know, I, I, obviously as a main eye fan, uh, you know, I, I, I do, I mean, I don't, I never like, you know, praising Liverpool, uh, but I do, I do have to give them you know, some props and, you know, they, they probably did on the balance deserve to win the game. Uh, although, uh, you know, obviously Napoli, uh, Milik missed the guilt edge opportunity uh, yeah. to, to put them out, but there you go. Um, obviously, I think, you know, Liverpool, Mo Salah, you know, he's, he's, he's coming back on form for them. You know, he, he got a brilliant goal. Um, shades of last season, I would say, in his performance. Um, yeah. But I, I thought Liverpool overall, they, they were, you know, they were a decent side. We were t- I remember, you know, in previous podcasts we've done, you know, we looked we looked at Napoli and we said they're a very, very well-organised side and they caused Liverpool problems. And, and they definitely did cause Liverpool a lot of problems. Um, and I think, you know, they... I feel like you know Liverpool probably did deserve to win the game, but it could have been a whole lot different for them. Um, and you know them going into the Europa League, they're really going to cause a lot of problems for teams in that Europa League. Yeah. Um, so you know I, I don't think they should be should be too worried. But yeah, Liverpool obviously through, um, and I, I mean they'll be very very happy and obviously full of confidence. Um, and I mean also there was a contentious challenge, Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah, uh, obviously picking up a yellow card for that. Some people saying it should have been a red. Some could people, have been a red. Could have been a red. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought it was a bit. It was definitely a bit of a dangerous one. The follow through, you know, right on the side of the leg there. Um, but I mean, obviously, even some people on commentary saying it wasn't even a foul. Uh, Steve McManaman, of course. So <laughs> you know, I'm not sure whether he was talking through his. Uh, uh, you know, he had his, his, had his red tinted glasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just about to say yeah. that. Yeah, special um, special frame, special lens. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, Liverpool came through to the Champions League. I, um, I think they didn't qualify first, did they? They qualified second in that one. So Yeah, they did. So they'll, they will have a tough opponent, well, probably a tough opponent in the next round. But, fair, you know, fair play to them. Um, the clock machine rolls on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely weaknesses there for with, with Liverpool, but... I think Napoli, you know, if, if they'd just been more clinical, they could have got, you know, they could have knocked Liverpool out. But that's football, as you said. It's a funny old game. You know, these things happen. Some people saying Allison, brilliant say, best in the world now. I, I, I mean, it was, it, it, it was kind of straight, straight at him. Let's be honest. Um, I don't say that in a salty way. I just say that in what I see. But you know, yeah, you, 
he, he still stabbed up and made a save. But overall, you know, Liverpool, they, they're through. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm feeling weird talking positively, so I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> Let's just be honest. When we spoke uh, about the, the, the teams that could possibly go through and win, I actually placed, if I recall quite rightly, Napoli is one of those, in, one of those teams that would, would do well. I had no idea that PSG would make it through. I thought they would be um, one of the teams that fell away. Uh, I, I, could, I did see Liverpool going through. I thought Napoli would win the group. Uh, it's surprising to see um, such a good team go go out into the Europa League, but you would actually make them them favourites for the Europa League. Liverpool go through. In terms of the save by Alisson, I would say it was a remarkable save for the moment within the game. And and I say I say that because uh, Liverpool, like Manchester United, have certain players that they deem as you know almost they have a, a, a mistake in them. L- Lovren falls into that category. Many Liverpool fans that I know. Are, are never happy when they see him in, in the back four. They like it when it's Virgil van Dijk. They like it when it's um, Gomez. They like it when it's um, Alexander Arnold. They like they like that 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 quartet along with Robertson. And whenever Lovren's on, they're kind of this the kittens return. And I believe he'd only been on for a short period of time. And Lovren, I, I believe, towards the, the dying minutes of the game, a ball comes over and he doesn't go to challenge it. He doesn't go to challenge it and he lets it go, puts his arms out wide, expecting the keeper to come out. Obviously, Alisson is not as close as he anticipates, which then allows the Napoli player the opportunity to come forward, which makes the save even more remarkable because when, on reflection, you should he should have taken care of that ball. He should have intercepted it and did whatever he needed to do, put his body in the way, put it out for a corner, whatever, instead of actually holding his hands up thinking the keeper's close, he's going to gather it. And when you have decisions like that by your centre-back, who, who probably came on and it was cold, wasn't up to the pace, Liverpool were very, very lucky. And and not same, lucky in the sense that Napoli didn't take their chances, lucky in the sense that they actually replaced the goalkeeper where they thought it was a weakness with a goalkeeper who is always aware. Alisson is a good goalkeeper. You know, as much as they, it's, it's Liverpool and, you know, I don't like giving them praise, they have they have actually gone out and identified the areas that needed to be addressed, which has made them title contenders, which is why they are in the Premier League, which is why they are uh, in, into the next round of the Champions League. They have addressed those areas. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Liverpool, in terms of their... Recruitment have done well. And on the day, the big money players, especially the goalkeeper, has 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 delivered. So in terms of the argument about who's a better goalkeeper, I don't even want to entertain that because obviously I'm a, a De Gea fan, but he's a good goalkeeper, Alison. He's a very good goalkeeper. As for um, Mr Mo Salah, a slight, um, a slight blip, at the beginning of the season, he seems to have returned. And in games like this, against a very good team, he had one clear moment, maybe two, but he took it and he took it well. And that's what you and that's why when you have someone of his character, someone of his skill level, someone of his thought level in your forward line, 
you know that they're always going to not only just pose a threat, they're always going to actually cause the goalkeeper to be concerned, um, which is what makes it's so difficult for Manchester United fans, um, both of us being in that category, when we look at Lukaku, you could imagine if Lukaku was in that situation, you wouldn't necessarily think that he would score, not on current form. So, uh, yes, credit to, yeah, I mean, Liverpool played well. They played well against a very good and disciplined and well-structured and intense Napoli team. Napoli haven't changed. I just think that the, the fortune lay with Liverpool and they took their chances and they are through. And they too will obviously pose a problem for other teams in the Champions League. Any of the opposing teams will not necessarily want to go to Anfield because the one thing that I will say about Liverpool and their fans is that when it's a Champions League night, the crowd really reacts. And what I found on the last time that I went to Old Trafford for a Champions League night, it, there is so much going on around uh, the team, um, especially with them arriving late to the ground, about whether Jose is the right man, just all of it, that the atmosphere in the ground is is flat. It is almost, it's almost like a wet blanket on everyone. They're just cold. They're removed from the atmosphere. They actually don't even realise that it is a Champions League game. You know, they're there and they're not actually enjoying the atmosphere and they're not actually enjoying the moment. They're not enjoying the, the theatre that is Old Trafford for, for, for glorious European games in the night because there's so much despair around the club. So any this is why I say quite clearly, any team that goes to face Manchester United will not be faced, but any team in the next round that gets gets Liverpool will be concerned because they know that they will have to go to Anfield and it will be a very difficult night for them. Very difficult night. But, you know, I like you. I don't want to talk too much about them, but I have done. And, and for a very good reason. Uh, the one thing I will say is that I was um, blown away by the fact that they only scored the one goal, but they had over 20 chances. You know, and, and that, that says a lot um, about you can create so many chances within a game, but you may only get one. You may only get one moment and that moment has to count. And it did count for them. Sad, but true. I'm sad. I'm so sad. Um, on the other hand, Spurs, the Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, did you catch that game or was it um, extended highlights? Um I mean, I, I caught I caught a bit of it. Obviously, Liverpool game was on at the same time, but yeah. I, I caught I caught a bit of it. But most of my uh, my notes are on uh, extended highlights, as you know. So. <laughs> no good, no good. No, I jest. Uh, so, what do you think of the Spurs game in Barcelona? Um, well, I, I have to eat my serving of humble pie because I I did not think they were going to get through the group. I, yeah. I I thought there were no way they were going to get through the group, um, but. They they pulled the result out of the bag. I thought they were going to get flattened by Barcelona. Yes, you know, it, it was a bit of a weakened Barcelona side, but still, you know, to go to the new camp and produce that sort of performance is, is very, very good and it's commendable. Um, it, Inter Milan obviously uh, helped them a bit with their result. They'll be kicking themselves. Uh, but, you know, they, the Spurs still had to go there and, and, and get a result, and they did. And uh, obviously, I, I wasn't, I mean, obviously, I, I think Spurs fans 
were were fearing the worst when Dembele opened the scoring. Um, but you know they they stayed in there. They didn't let it you know get. They didn't let themselves get two or three nil down. They stayed in there. They kept the professional performance, as you said. You know there was an intensity in it, um, and, and they had the desire to try and get something out of the game. And and, and they did in the end. It was a, it was a, a nice little goal. Um, obviously Lucas as well. Yeah, in that one. But look, I I, I, I have to commend Spurs. And, you know, I didn't think they were going to get through the group. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the togetherness they showed uh, and and the way they went about that game uh, is is commendable. Um, and obviously they are they obviously again you know qualified for the Champions League. All four English teams as well doing that, which is um, the the most. In fact, I think England is the most has the most amount of teams in it in the uh, knockout stages. So I mean that's that, that's a bonus for English football, I guess. Um, but you know, fair play to Spurs. I thought it did really well. Um, one thing I would say is, you know, I've seen a lot of seen a lot of Man United fans saying that, you know, this is this is why we need Pochettino and things like that. And I think, I, I mean, I think it could have it could have gone potentially differently. It could have gone another way. And I think to to base a kind of a judgment on that, yes, it was a very good performance, and you know, that'll definitely be somewhere in 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 the Spurs' trophy cabinet. You know, drawing drawing to to the new camp because there's not a lot in there. But yeah. um I think, you know, fair play to them. They did well and, and they were showed spirit and they never you know they, they never said die. They 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 rode their luck a bit. I think Barcelona hit the post at one point. You know they, they they but you know in these sort of European games you have to ride your luck um against these big teams. Um so yeah fair play to Spurs and I'll gladly uh, eat my serving of humble pie. Serving of humble pie served and dispatched and, and eaten really slowly. Indeed. Indeed. Really, with a small spoon. <laughs> so the dish lasts longer. Um, I too, I mean, uh, this game was on at the same time as the Liverpool game. And I said, I had two screens on it. I, I was, you know, eyes bouncing between two screens. And it seemed that every time there was a, a moment, a, a goal threat in the, the Spurs-Barcelona game, uh, moments earlier or moments after there was a, there was a moment in the, the Liverpool-Napoli game. And it, it, for me, it was, it was good uh, football viewing for those who, who are addicted to the sport that is football. Um, Spurs did really well, I think. To say, to go to Barcelona full stop without Messi, um, you're still going to the, the, the famous Camp Nou. You're still facing players in the famous shirt of Barcelona. That They are going to be of a certain technical ability, maybe not to the same level of uh, Iniesta and Xavi and Messi and former stars like Deco and Eto and uh, Ronaldinho, but they are still Barcelona. And I, I, I think in the first half, uh, the young French player that they have, is it Dembele? He, he was running riot. Uh, on uh, in, in in the first half and and could have easily I think contributed to to a greater scoreline for Barcelona um, and and it took Spurs probably about twenty five to thirty minutes before they started to fully appreciate what they could do as a footballing team and start to play their game. They didn't they didn't panic. It it, it seemed it, they didn't rush. Uh, they played in a really intelligent way. Um, what I will say is that uh, this is the bit with Pochettino, when a young person makes a mistake, which is not necessarily a mistake, but a mistake, he, he's not pulled over the coals by the manager. He, he's, you know, the, what I did realise is the cameras didn't automatically go over to Pochettino 
who wasn't rolling his eyes and, you know, his hands on his head. You know, obviously he would have been upset, but uh, he didn't react in a way that would have given food for thought to, to commentators or would have been food for thought for anyone attached to the young player who was given his chance in, in, such, a, in such a big game that Spurs needed to get a point from. Um, it was it, from 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 the Barcelona point of view. I was surprised to even see Vermaelen still playing football. I actually thought he'd retired after he'd left Arsenal so many years ago. But I, I believe he's had a, a really horrible time with injury. So um, it, it was good to see him playing. But I, I was surprised to see that he was still playing. Um, Spurs. So once they got into their groove, they looked good. Son looked good. Lucas. Mora looked good. Uh, Deli Ali looked good. Harry Kane doing what Harry Kane does, uh, realizing that he's going to be heavily marked in, in the penalty area. Goes wide, drops deep, holds the ball up, gets involved in the play. His control is sublime. He's he's strong on the ball, um, and his his level of awareness when players are closing in on him to sidestep them and go around them and find the pass out wide was really, really good. Again, not being envious or jealous, but just saying Lukaku, you know, videotapes can be watched elsewhere. Um, it was good. It was good. Oh, do you know something? I, in a sense, I didn't think they would get through, but... I'm glad they have got through because it makes the competition all the more interesting. Having so many uh, UK-based teams at a time when uh, the UK is desperately trying to pull away from Europe, we're sending people and fans to Europe for football um, on a frequent basis, which is it's quite nice. Almost like the anti-Brexit programme <laughs> in football. You know, we're, we're leaving, but we're not really leaving. Uh, Spurs did really I think Spurs deserved Spurs deserved the point but they had moments when they could have scored earlier if they'd have been more composed um, Son striking the ball or should I say Sillison saving uh, from a Son one-on-one -on -one. Uh, once he'd escaped uh, the Marlins uh, last-ditch tackle uh, yeah Spurs fans will be happy and they're, and they're through to the next round uh, they are. They are. I think will, they will pose a threat. It's. A, I, I believe it's a shame that they're not at their their home ground, and they're still at, at Wembley, because that's a factor. And I think they'd very much like to be back at, at White Hart Lane. But um, I, I, it's it, looking at the manager. Obviously, you'd think any team would like him, but with anything, it hasn't. He hasn't won anything yet. Spurs haven't won anything with Pochettino yet. And they've had their moments before. Will this moment or moments like that come round again? We have to wait and see, you know. But uh, it's all all looking well for them. I hate them. I don't really hate them. You know, it's just, it's, uh, just jesting. Um, <laughs> just, just, got, just, just, just got lo love for all the teams. I've love got for, love for teams. everyone. I love football. Exactly. Football. Football's football. always the winner. Football's the love. Football, you have to love football to talk about it and watch it. Otherwise, exactly. it becomes a chore. And football is not a chore in any way, shape or form. Um, 
Manchester City, oh, do we have to? Yes, we do. Manchester City win, obviously. They they beat Hoffenheim 2-1. Uh, Leroy Sané, uh, two goals. Uh, the Manchester City, the Pep loving continues. Uh, this is a player who wasn't necessarily playing at the beginning of the season. People were talking about his attitude. Um, there was comments made by uh, certain German international players. He was dropped from the squad or he was sent home. Now... He's the talk of the town at Manchester City and 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 then the German national team. He's doing really well, um, and, and and everyone will say this is down to to Pep, you know, because Pep is Pep is everything. Pep is like Pepsi. Did you didn't see anything of this game at all? Did you, or was this just um, did, you, did it escape you? I, yeah, it, it did kind of escape me. Obviously, I, I saw the highlights, of course, but not nothing, nothing, you know, too substantial. Nothing to. I mean, I mean that Pep, Pep talked about um, uh, the players that were involved, and obviously there was the young um, Philip Foden there, um, who is not getting as much game time uh, under Pep Guardiola as everyone thought he would be. Even though everyone says that Pep's the best thing since sliced bread, um, but he's a very good footballer, very talented, um, naturally gifted, one would say, and. I, t- I think he's doing quite well. He's he's he signed up to a good try. He, he had a very good game, a very good game. Uh, it's it's good for Manchester City. Obviously, they they need to to make sure that they're still in the competition. They've spent millions of pounds, even though people may not believe that they have. And their owners are expecting something other than the Premier League. They want to make their mark in Europe, and. They believe, and I think the Manchester City fans will believe that with the demise of Real Madrid now that Ronaldo's no longer there and he's moved to Juve and he's not necessarily firing on all cylinders in a Juve shirt in a Champions League uh, competition. And in Barcelona, obviously, with Messi, uh, not necessarily... um, I mean, Messi's doing well, but in terms of the challenge that Ronaldo would have brought, um, that they will believe that they have the squad and the team capable of going all the way in the competition and challenging those um, well-established Champions League teams and Juve and Bayern Munich. Uh, so Manchester City and Pep probably believe this might be their year. And I, I think that they are quite happy that not too many people are talking them up and people are actually talking more about Liverpool possibly doing something and what would Juve be like if they won the Champions League with Ronaldo. I believe that that Pep's happy with that because it takes the pressure off of of the, the Manchester City the megabus and and what what we expect of them because if, if we expect them to win the Champions League it then puts pressure on them to produce results which may not always come about by them playing the beautiful football that they always need because when the pressure's on you you play however you need to to get the three points so we will see. Um, there were a few other games in the Champions League that, you know, that obviously took my eye. Um, but Ajax Bayern 3-3. I mean, that's a bonkers game. As I say, red cards on both sides. Can you believe it? Thomas Muller, I saw the challenge that he did. Oh, my word. <laughs> it's just, what is that? It's like, it's like seeing a librarian go crazy for a day you think him what's, what's wrong with him um, yeah 
3-3. Uh, I mean, that, that, for the neutral, that's a good game to watch because there's a hat full of goals. Uh, he then misses uh, the next round, first game. So, you know, he has a suspension to 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 complete. But, yeah, that, that game stood out for me. And you would say that in terms of three, a 3-3 three, three scoreline and two red cards, I, I say it again, Ajax, Ajax and Bayern. You, you don't think of um, Leeds and Wimbledon when you think of those two that kind of aggressive teams. And red, you, you see two footballing teams. You don't think red cards are going to happen in a, in a game where both teams kind of base their their style on the influences of a, a Johan Cruyff and and and, and the type where the total football is is everything. You, you would expect it to be, you know, nice, clean tackles, interceptions, and uh, maybe the odd 2-1, two, 2-1 one, two, result. But no, 3-3, three, three, a, a, a gripping game. And uh, Tadic scores two. Uh, obviously, Southampton must be kicking themselves or locking themselves into a toilet cubicle thinking, why did we let him go? Uh, and he's, he's gone on to score more goals for himself than most of the Southampton team for quite some time. So that was one game that stood out. It was really, I thought that was really, really good. Really good. Uh, and the other game that stood out as well, and obviously this is where you think that that players have totally been rested. Um, Real Madrid nil, CSK Moscow three. Mental. Yeah, you just think, what? But um, the striker, Benzema was playing, Isco was playing, um, Marcelo was playing. There's a few other non-normal non names, and Courtois was playing. And I don't believe that the Real Madrid fans are really happy with Courtois at the moment. They're not happy with them because I'm not sure where they are in the league. So losing three 0 in the Champions League game, even though they have qualified, uh, cannot make the the, the Real Madrid fans totally happy because if Manchester United fans are um, upset about losing to Valencia 2-1 can you imagine what they're doing at 3-0 probably tearing up their tissue paper boxes pitchforks and torches are about to come out (laughs) someone's got a lighter out it's almost like a Prince concert in reverse I'm not happy I'm not happy um Right, we've rattled through. The time has moved so quickly. It's almost feel like there's not enough time to talk about things. Not enough time. Um, what I do want to move away from in terms of the Champions League, there were obviously there's the the, the thing that has been um, front and centre at the weekend and and for the first part of the week, the whole thing around Raheem Sterling um, and the abuse that he received. Uh, against in the Chelsea game, Man City, uh, the, the Chelsea fan. Uh, which was seen shouting the insults to Rome Sterling in the article in the Guardian says that he wasn't being racist. He he said he was using foul language and he didn't call him um, a black CU, you know, he called him a mank CU, blah, blah, blah. Um, which I thought, okay, um, there is an argument that that was true. Uh, I believe that the video uh, footage may prove otherwise. Uh, but in terms of the abuse that certain players get, it's not necessarily warranted. It isn't necessarily pleasing to see. 
and and you don't normally see grown men that close to the pitch isn't it usually like the family enclosure where you you know have families yeah. and uh, it's, it's strange to have seen some, some, some you know well-dressed men uh are doing that causing that level of abuse or, or or throwing that level of abuse at a player and uh, what what i found interesting in the week or this week the comments and and the discussions that i've heard is that they you know, one of the things that stood out was like they didn't look the type. And I think abuse doesn't come from a type of person. It comes, it's, it's about the mindset and you don't have to look a particular way or uh, you, you could look as timid as anything, but it's what your mind is like and how you perceive and view others around you and what you believe is to be true. So, you know, you could be a well-dressed city gent, hedge fund manager, um, multi-millionaire and still have those views you've only got to think about um philip green who, who is a billionaire who has many many um cases being thrown against him where he's abused and bullied and uh, racially abused staff and that's that's a court case that's happening right now so just because someone is dressed in a particular way and you look at them and think oh he doesn't look the type well looking the type is irrelevant it's the abuse that's happened and whether you look the type or not the abuse shouldn't happen the abuse shouldn't take place and it and for black footballers obviously it's always going to be much more difficult but i think what was clear to me that there seemed to be more let's say awareness so, so much the awareness was more heightened following the documentary but I wasn't sure whether or not that there was a bit of life imitating art, that the documentary had been screened and aired, and then certain individuals thought it would be okay to say and do things that they had heard being mentioned in the documentary. It was a very, very bizarre kind of period of time, you know, and I, I'm hoping that, one, that there are, there are more conversations that happen, and... What, for me, you know, in, in, when I watch the mainstream media, there is a very narrow uh, perspective when it comes to people of colour, black, black journalists, um, presenters, et cetera, et cetera, that you only hear a certain view from individuals. And it's, it's, it's for me, it's very, very uh, narrow. Um, and, it, and it doesn't help. It just doesn't help. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this case, uh, if it goes any further, and if they are charged or if they're just banned uh, and both are uh, different in their own ways. Um, is there anything you want to say on that, Red Devil? Because I know it's a, for me, it's, it's a very tricky area to discuss, and, and sometimes it's, it's difficult for individuals to discuss it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just a shame, really. Um, I, I was, I was looking, I was actually listening to a lot of, um, obviously watching the football. You get to hear um, a lot of what like, the pundits and people, you know, have to say about it. Um, and I think I, I can't remember. It might have been uh, Michael Owen who said uh, um, he, he thought he thought actually, you know, it, this incident, whilst it's not, it's, it's definitely not a good thing, but it's kind of brought it to light and it's kind of brought it up once again. And it, it makes people have conversations about it. It makes people kind of take a different perspective. And I, I, 
I mean, I I feel like obviously like it's not just going to be this incident. Obviously, because it's a Premier League game, a very high profile Premier League game, Chelsea, you know, Man City, this sort of incident with all the cameras that are going to be there is going to be flagged up. But there are probably a lot more instances, uh, you know, probably lower down the leagues of, of every single week of this sort of thing happening. And um, I, I think it's not just a football problem. I think also it's a, it's a cultural problem. I think football is part of British culture, like a very big part of it. And I think because football's within that, you know, cult- culturally, I think that there needs, there needs to be something, you know, as you said, conversations happening. I mean, you know, more education, you know, actually, you know, just, just, just kind of, you know, I feel like even, you know, giving these, these people a lifetime ban, um, whether, whether, you know, as you know, the, the reports of him, him saying it, it was actually, he was saying, he was saying Mank instead of a, a black, but um, I, I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but I, I just feel that, you know, even just giving a, 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 a fan a ban is, is, is not enough. There needs to be more education, um, because we've seen it before, we've seen this sort of racial abuse happen, and the person in question has been given a lifetime ban, and these things still keep coming up. It's just, it's, it's it. I mean, I'm not sure if that sort of deterrent is working. I feel like maybe we shouldn't be looking at deterring people, but almost, almost, yeah, just more, just kind of more education. But I, I don't. I, I just think it's, it's definitely a huge shame, especially after that. You know, re- really good documentary came out uh, about you know what the black footballers had to endure. Um, you know, that it, especially after that sort of thing comes out, which is a really great piece of kind of education for people who didn't live in that time, who live now and uh, and can and can look back and, and, and learn from that. It's just a real shame that, you know, these sort of things still still happen. And it, 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 as you said, it's very, very difficult to kind of, you know, to kind of sum up and come up with a solution um, to it. But it's, it's, it's just a real shame, really, and not something you want to be happening. No, I mean, in terms of the education, the education part of this, in a restorative way, you could call it, but not necessarily restorative, is that you cannot have the education unless there is a conversation. And to have the conversation needs to uh, begin with a level of awareness, one, and acceptance that you have acted in a particular way or you have used particular words. Now, in this particular case where the fan says he did not racially abuse him, uh, but says he did abuse him, you know, you're almost halfway there in terms of, well, did he or did did he abuse him racially? Um, But even so, it it is an issue, not just about football players on the pitch, um, but about the representation uh, for those that are on the pitch. And don't get me wrong, there are certain things that Raheem Sterling has done, but me, myself, I I think you shouldn't have done that or you you should have taken a different path. But, you know, if it's if it's written about by mainstream media, you think, oh, you're having a go at him. You know, there's certain things that he's done, like with the tattoo. Personally, if he was a, a, a member of my family, I would tell him on all certain terms, you're not getting that tattoo. You know, that's just me. So if the newspapers pick it up and they say, oh, you know, they're picking on him because he's a black player and he's done this, maybe so. But I think from my point of view, if it was me and I said it to him, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be about racism, it'd be about common sense. And either there's a lack of it or there needs to be some measure of it. So I know that there's free choice, but there is also, um, there's a level of acceptance that you have to take guidance from others around you 
for certain things, regardless of who you are or where you are in this world. And I say that because primarily nine times out of 10, when fans talk about players on the pitch not performing, they blame the manager. So when it comes to other aspects of a footballer's life, that there still needs to be input from someone who will guide and advise them. So on that on that specific, one specific area, I would say he may be able to take the criticism, but it may not always be levelled at him in a particular way which he would accept or want to hear. Oh, difficult subjects, difficult subjects, but conversations that need to be had. We're moving towards the end, and there's one thing I want to talk about, and this is not football. This is something that caught my eye, and it's about um, cycling. Bizarre, because I haven't been on a bike for years. I actually think that if I would ride a bike now, I might fall off. Stabilizers. <laughs> this is an article <laughs> about the Olympian Jess Varnish, who accuses British cycling of extreme control. Not bullying, she's extreme control. And I was reading it, I was kind of stunned, and I was thinking, I wonder what would happen if this was happening in other areas of sport, when you want to be the best. Um, uh, Jess Varnish, she says... Um, that one of the coaches told her she was too old and should leave and have a baby. The coach, Sutton, said he's adamant that he's innocent. He said, I've definitely never overstepped the mark, but did, however, accept that he told her to go and lose some timber. And I'm thinking, well, that's coming from your coach. Could you imagine if Jose Mourinho had said that to one of the players? that have such a huge fan base, what kind, of, what kind of upset that would cause? What kind of upset? I think when it comes to coaching at the top level, things are said and you do things in a particular way that may not necessarily be always seen as, one, professional, but two, in keeping with the sport. And the, and the level of punishment. And this article is quite detailed about how um, she was punished for turning up 10 minutes late um, and was told to ride around the velodrome for 30 laps non-stop. And I just thought, it, it made me think about other sports. It made me think about what it takes to be a top professional sports person, not just a footballer, but a sports person, and the individuals, excuse my background noise there, and the individuals that are in charge of pushing sports, sportsmen and women to the very limit to get every ounce of their best out of them. Um, I cannot see any footballer in the current age being okay with being told to go and run around the field on their own for 30 laps without it leaking out uh, or there being some footage on, on social media. Um, it's a different time. I think coaching methods, coach approaching, coaching approaches have to change and be more um, sensitive to the, the individuals that actually take part in these sports. But it, I, I would hazard a guess that methods like this or an approach like this isn't, isn't a, a standalone or unique. I think that they're quite common. 
and there are only very few uh, Pep Guardiolas out there that everyone says they would love to be the coach. I think my gran would love to be coached by Pep Guardiola. She can't play football, but she, there, someone would say that she's been improved because he's a better coach. And then there are some coaches who are, um, you could be deemed as bullies, who have a particular way of doing things because they may not like a, a person in that sporting arena. And the approach they take is far from a caring, holistic or professional one. So the margins between success is, is, is very, very slim. But it doesn't mean that the, the managers in, in whatever sphere of sport are, are, are that much different. And it, for me, the, 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 the article stood out because it was, talking, it was talking about the extreme levels of control. And I think there are extreme levels of control in every area of sport. I should, I should pay more attention to cycling. Do you like cycling? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm not, I'm not a big watcher. I mean, if the Olympics, if the Olympics are on, I might, I might give it a gander. Um, but I mean, if, if, if I mean, all the, uh, the Tour de France, maybe if I've got a spare, spare half an hour and I'm just Ooh. sitting at home, I might, I might flick that on when it's on. But I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm an avid cycling fan, but it's, it's good exercise. I'll say that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I say, then I'll get my bike out in the summer. You know, probably for like July and August. Stabilizers will be on and uh, bike helmet. We have come to that time where we will say we have reached the end. Um, it's flown by as always. I would like to thank you, Red Devil, for joining me this week. Yeah, no problem. Really, was a, pre- a pleasure to discuss the topics today, and uh, hopefully, I can come on again. You will do indeed come on, because obviously I'll invite you on. <laughs> right, for those guys listening, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, if you have any comments and questions, please send them to our Twitter address at, at on and off the P-I-T-1 or at Rodney underscore Cyrus with a C. Um, you've been listening to On and Off The Pitch podcast. Thanks for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye for now.